What is going on, Walt Disney? Man, we're back. Oh, we are back, and it feels so good to be taking an evening and 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 to have you on the phone remotely for the first time in like six weeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm excited, man. It's good. It's cool, man. We've got a we got a cool guest lined up for this evening. I know everybody's going to enjoy a, a return visit from some awesome folks uh, in the Midwest and. That's going to be a good conversation, dude. I'm, I'm really just jacked. It, it is warm outside, 85 degrees. The turkeys are all kinds of fired up. We're only 23 days away from turkey season, Leighton. You realize that, right? 23 days. Oh, oh, I know how many days. I've seen two gobblers today in the field strutting. So I know just how many days. <laughs> are you working Are you working on your turkey call? Have you been practicing? No, I don't think I really need to till about four or five days before, truthfully. <laughs> well, I've been I practicing mean, a lot because I need to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just got to go out there and make one gobble to me about three days before, and then my boost my confidence level way up, and we're good to go. I guess that's the benefit of living right there around the the corner from your hunting grounds. You can sneak out for an early morning uh, hunt before you go and mow some grass, huh? Yeah, I don't know if we're actually gonna hunt, but you know, man, you know, good daggum well you're gonna be hunting. No. Not if it stays the way it's been the past few days. Which I mean, I ain't complaining if I, if it means if it means missing three or four turkey hunts or five turkey hunts because of work, six, seven, eight, nine, ten turkey hunts because of work. That's all right. We'll make it up on the weekends. I talked talk to some people who listened to the most recent episode, and they said that the only thing that you could do to prevent uh, going vegan for not shooting a buck is to fulfill your goal of spearing a turkey. And they will forget. No, 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 That, that is, that is, uh, we said that was way out of the realm of possibilities, but that would try it. <laughs> did you listen to, did you listen to last week's episode? Did you see how it ended? No, I didn't listen to it all the way. <laughs> you should, you should go just to the last two minutes. You'll enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I bet. <laughs> well, listen, we, we got to call our guests here in a minute. So why don't we go ahead and uh, give credit to our sponsors? Sounds good. Well, guys. You know my favorite. I talk about it every week. Wild Edge Incorporated. If you haven't already, we're doing some new things with Andrew. We're going to be putting some some how to videos out there in the coming in the coming months. Uh, but Andy Andrew already uh, beat us to the beat us to the punch, and he just posted. If you go to our Instagram, this is Monday the twentieth that I'm recording this. If you go to our Instagram, you can go and see. A uh, instructional video that breaks down just how quickly it is to tie the knot to the step. I told y'all it was a little bit of a learning curve. He just made it even shorter. He found out an even easier way to tie the knot. He literally ties the knot in two seconds. It includes one loop. Done. End of story. So if if you've had any reservations about Wild Edge Inc., put them to bed now. Give Andrew a call. Bowhunter Box Club. It's like Christmas every month. Walt got the better box this month as usual i just can't seem to get just beat him he always one-ups me um but yeah it's cool even in the off season like i say every time it's cool to get it play with all the goodies get the phone call from walt hey you're not gonna believe what i got and then i'm like well you know <laughs> maybe next time I'll, I'll be able to get one like you um but anyway bowhunter box club www.bowhunterboxclub.com check them out it's cool there you go well let's how about we go ahead and get our guests on the line buddy let's get it well, guys, we we are back with our special guest, a return visit from uh, probably one of our, our favorite people to talk to on a day-in, day-out basis, and that's the Whitetail Experience. We have got Dave and Andy from the Whitetail Experience. How y'all boys doing? You're good, man. Good. How are you? Oh, hell, any better. I couldn't stand it, man. I'm back to podcast, and I've got some semblance of, of internet uh, connectivity, and I'm just happy to be back in the saddle, dude. He's happy. Yeah, I bet. I'd imagine. <laughs> well, what if, it's been a while. I think it was back uh, maybe August, maybe it was end of July. I think it was end of July. We had y'all, uh, Dave, you and Byron on, and and y'all were y'all had big expectations for the year and and all these fun things that were coming down the pipe. What what's new with y'all since the last time we heard from y'all, which was damn near a year ago. Oh, well, uh, we did get a couple good bucks down this year. I mean, uh, you know, all of our videos are, are on the, on the YouTube and all that on the internet and all that good stuff. Um, you know, and then right now we're getting back into, uh, into that scouting season. You know, it's this, this is the, 
the time of the year where you really, you know, kind of is the preliminary to killing the bucks, really. And we only got a few months here, you know, before. I mean, yeah, you can scout in the summer, but the ticks get bad. And Very it's nice. just, uh, you know, they greens up real heavy. And so right now, this this next, uh, you know, couple months up here in Ohio, at least, is the hardcore scouting season. Well, did did, did y'all uh, stay inside the state of Ohio this year? Or did y'all manage to, to go out of state? I know y'all had some big plans. Uh, Byron went out on an elk trip. Um, he was unsuccessful. Um, I know he ran into some trials and tribulations out there. <laughs> what was that noise? <laughs> but uh, it didn't uh, it didn't go too well for him. But uh, other than that, just whitetail wise, we just stayed uh, we just stayed in Ohio. Well, I mean that's big buck country, right? I mean, you know, that's that's where the giants live. Yeah, we definitely got some big deer here. Uh, we got, you know can't complain. We're not like uh, we're not dealing with the pressure that Michigan and Pennsylvania and, and those type of uh, states do. And, and we can get after it on public land pretty good and actually get on some pretty big deer here in Ohio. Yeah. If I had uh, the opportunity y'all had, I, I'd be out uh, year round chasing uh, buck beds and all kinds of stuff like that. It, it seems like though, I, I might have it a little better in one aspect. Y'all seem to always be running into people and stands. And uh, if, if y'all, if, if the listeners have followed you on Instagram, they've, They've seen the live stories. Every time y'all are scouting to find a good spot, it seems like there's about three stands already put up in that location. Yeah, definitely, and that's uh, you know, that's part of it. That's part of scouting. I mean, it's uh, you know, especially public land goes. It's you're hunting, you're hunting the other hunters almost as much as you're hunting the deer. You're just trying to find where other people aren't going, or you're trying to find where other people are going. That way, you can you know just kind of figure the deer are going to avoid them and. That's why you see us a lot of times we got these long hikes in or we got to go up and over the mountain and stuff. It's because we're going where other people aren't, um, you know, and that's, you know, that's exactly where, you know, we were, we, we had success at this year with, with a couple of bucks we got down. They were, we were deep in some woods. Um, but, you know, on the flip side of that, you can also get right up close to, right up close to the road because there ain't nobody hunting next to the road either. <laughs> They're either, everybody's about right in the middle. And that, see, that's kind of interesting. I, I think I was listening to another podcast that said, oh, hell, I can't even remember who that was, but they were scouting some public land. I think it was up in Tennessee, and they were talking about how uh, all their deep places that they went to to find deer sign or to, to, to hopefully find deer sign, they found more human sign than deer sign. And the closer they got to the road, it seems like uh, the, the hunting public podcast on the East Coast has been fully implemented, and all those deep spots are getting hit hard and People are forgetting about the good spots close to walking distance from the truck. Well, it's not just that. You got to figure out, okay, well, everybody's going to go 300 yards in, hunt 50 yards in where nobody else hunts. I mean, that's like the way, that's kind of like my place. You just leave it alone. I mean, I get the luxury of leaving it alone. But, I mean, I've seen big deer crossing the dirt road because nobody messes with my property. It's kind of the same same principle, I guess, with the, with the public land. It's just go to the places where people don't hunt or overlook. Exactly, and uh, and sometimes uh, those overlooked spots, like those spots that are near the roads, um, you know, you had, you know, you only got limited access spots as far as public land goes. That's kind of one of the hardest parts about hunting public land is the limited access locations you have. So you might have to walk, you might walk a mile and then end up hunting, you know, a few hundred yards from the road again because you have to make a big loop to get down into where you want to. Um, whereas nobody else is going to, everybody else is going to walk in a straight line to where they're going. Whereas if you go in and loop back towards the road, you know, you're going to have a lot of success, success. Like you said, those deer near the roads, they're not going to be near the parking lot, but they're going to be near the roads. Yeah. Cause nobody, nobody's going to, nobody, oh, they're not going to be a deer right there. 50 yards bedded up in that little thicket. Yeah. You know, that's what most people. Yeah. The NFL talks about his overlook spots all the time. You send the guy, uh, you know, you, you gar hole somebody and they go over there and, you know, they end up killing the biggest deer around it's because that's where nobody's ever been. Right. Right. Well, you know, I, I, this is something that, that really I, I experienced this year and, and, and I've kind of relied on, on, uh, you and, and some other folks to kind of answer some of these questions. And I hope I haven't, uh, hit you up too much for this kind of information, but, you know, it's almost like scent control is a, a variable thing for y'all on public land because you you have so much cross traffic from different hunters. You you were talking on your story uh, the other day. I think you said you had a 
a spot where there was like this gully and there was a hunter, a, a stand on each side and you were going to hunt the middle because you knew, or maybe it was vice versa, you know, it, it hunting private land, you would say, okay, well, somebody walked across that gully, no matter which side it was, the deer aren't going to use that anymore. And that, that seems not maybe to be so much the case there on public land. Yeah. A lot of the public land we hunt, um, you know, most public land has hiking trails throughout. So those deer are used to smelling humans and they're used to, um, you know, somewhat of a, pre- some pressure. They're not, uh, they're, there's, so it's like, you know, if you can be on the hiking trail and see deer, as long as you keep moving, those deer will stand there and watch you. You take three steps off that trail and they know that you're danger now. And, you know, if they smell something where they shouldn't smell something, then they're gone. But if they just smell human sign, you know, they just smell humans have been there at some point in time. They're not necessarily going to get out of Dodge. They just know that humans have been through there at some point in time. Okay. That makes sense. And that kind of harkens back to what uh, Dr. Bob, I can't think of what his last name is from down there from the Deer University, Mississippi State Deer University, was talking about how uh, whitetails can age scent as well. They can tell how long it's been since you came through there. Uh, I assume you still play the wind, right? Yeah, the best we can, but we hunt a lot of wind. Uh, we hunt a lot of uh, hill country where the the wind is tough. You know, you look at your, your weather app and you see, okay, it says there's supposed to be a northwest wind today. And you get in there and you're tossing milkweed and that wind's just blowing pure out the south the whole day. It's definitely frustrating. Um, the spot actually where, where Andy killed his buck at this year, um, it's down, it's up over a hill down into like a little bowl that has like a lot of doe bedding all around that bowl. And the wind down there is just awful. I mean, it's, we see so many deer there and it's because I think that when the deer go down in there, they feel safe because they can smell all around them because that wind just swirls down this little valley, down this little bowl. And it's terrible for hunting, but it's also good for hunting at the same time because we do see a lot of deer, but a lot of deer do end up winning you. And it's just, it's just a battle that you have to have to play, you know, in hill country until you really, really learn, you know, how that wind swirls off these ridges and hillsides and stuff. It's tough. How do y'all end up, deciding where to go i mean do you basically wind check uh for a a variety of different uh wind directions while you're out scouting and just take a mental log of that or is it you know like full run and gun and and basically you get there and check the wind and then pick a tree um yeah a little bit of both we definitely do check the wind when we're scouting and you know if it's if it's pushing a hard south wind to the day that we're scouting and we get down to a bowl and that wind's swirling around um, we definitely take note of that. It's also just time in these spots. You know, some of the spots we hunt, we've hunted for 10 years now, or at least the general area. So we kind of know how the wind kind of swirls around. Um, and also sometimes you just go in there and just say, screw it. And whatever the way the wind's blowing, you just say, okay, well, the deer aren't going to be coming from that direction. And you just look the other way. <laughs> <laughs> y'all, y'all have a whole nother level of frustrating uh, when it comes to wind out there uh, down here, it, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, you know, I, I don't think we've even announced this yet, but you know, Dave is, uh, for everybody listening, Dave is going to try and make a, uh, a hog hunt and fishing and, and visit the coast trip this summer. And I'm thrilled about that because I, I want to see what you have to say about our public land and, and the terrain down here. Cause it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, your perspective is going to be, uh, I want to document that for sure. But you know, down here, the wind never stops swirling. We have nothing but flat, thick areas with no terrain, and the wind is just so damned inconsistent. There's just, it's 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 painful. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's frustrating. Yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> Walt, Walt has it a little worse than I do. I mean, even, the, even though I'm only like, what, an hour north, Walt, you'd say? Probably. As the crow flies, like maybe 30 miles. Oh, yeah, as the, as the crow flies, probably, yeah, 30, 60 miles. But we do, I mean, don't get me wrong, our wind will swirl, but I have a little more, I have a little more bottom land I can hunt than Walt the can. And, and most of the time, about the end of November, I can start picking my wind. And it's not, and I can, you know, say, all right, well, it's blowing straight north and that's the way it stays. We only have a couple spots where I'm at where it likes to swirl, but up until the end of November, it'll swirl all over the place. But Walt, well, Walt's hunting's like flat pine tree woods half the time, truthfully. 
Yeah, you almost need about uh, about about a little bit, you know, anything over about 10 mile an hour, you know, you get that 10, 15 mile an hour range, you can kind of, you can kind of assume it's going to be pretty consistent. But then you also, you know, depend on how sunny it is and how much thermal rise you have. And it's just, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a whole nother game there. But the milkweed definitely helps, helps you figure things out and just visually see things. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to backtrack a little bit. Uh, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. There's, um, you know, countless times where we, we talked about the hiking trails and we've, um, you know, walked down them many times and have jumped deer right off of them. So, you know, it could be a, a way to, you know, hunt. Yeah, it, oh, that's walk can use that disadvantage if it if it holds if it holds true even here. Like there's see ours or Walt's, I mean I guess I could go if I wanted to, but you can ride a truck through all these places that Walt's gonna hunt. What would you say, Walt? A hundred percent out of the year you'll see somebody on them every day or potentially you'll people will be riding oh, year round. I've never yeah, I've never been on any of our public land down here and not ran into somebody else. They're either cruising, just looking for deer and wildlife, or they're riding a four-wheeler or a dirt bike or shooting their pistols. I mean, it's like the wild damn west out here. I mean, there's, there's, they just use these lands and abuse them. <laughs> yeah, we have, we've had times where, uh, you know, we've seen some nice bucks coming in and joggers would run through and they'd scare them away. Or, um, you know, there's plenty of times where deer would be around and we'd either get scared, you know, towards us or scared away from us. So it could play in your advantage. How many squirrel hunters have we seen? Oh, you know, millions of squirrel hunters, and it's it's pretty bad. They've had an experience uh, earlier this year with a squirrel hunter. You know, scared some deer away. D- Dave, d- did you uh, go nuclear on them, or did you uh, keep your cool? <laughs> Honestly, I just sat there and sat there and watched him. I was on the I was ground hunting that day, and I, he he came up over the ridge, and I'm taking these deer. You know, I'm hearing something coming through, and I'm like. You know, looking that direction, and here comes this guy walking through, and he comes through about 30, 40 yards away from me and walks right through. Never even saw me, nothing. And finally, you know, I give him a little whistle, and, and he he was he was pretty courteous, but I mean, this we, we saw between you know between two or three of us, we probably ran into four or five squirrel hunters this year at least. You know, prime time hunting. It's like you know, crack of daylight. You know, November first, and here comes some squirrel hunter coming through. You're just yeah, you you you've, you've got up at you know you woke up at three a.m. hiked in there, hiked in a mile, hung the stands, you know, and everything. You know, the spots looking good. Here comes the sun up. You're thinking prime time. Here is gonna be a big buck coming through here in a minute. And then here comes a squirrel hunter, and you're just there's nothing you can do. You know? It's just perfect plan. It's frustrating to say the least. I, I guess it I guess it kind of works to keep you from taking it too damn serious. Oh, exactly. I mean, you've seen some of our videos. I mean, we definitely have a good time in the stand. Um, I mean, half yeah, the stuff, you know, Byron can't even put the half the stuff we, we, we do in the stand because there's probably too many F-bombs or, or too much <laughs> too much stuff on video. He has to cut it all out. <laughs> Leighton, uh, that'd be uh, Walt how many I. times? <laughs> yeah, it would. I, I I can think on on maybe one hand how many times I've edited the podcast. That's the that's the good thing about uh, I guess maybe having a podcast versus a YouTube show is, uh, well, and not having any sponsors and not caring uh, or having sponsors rather that don't care. Uh, we, I've only maybe edited this thing like maybe five times, and it's always been because I felt like it was particularly egregious at that point in time. But you know, it's. Uh, if, if we had a camera in front of us, that was the thing I was thinking about the other day, man, because if you come down and, and we're, we're hunting hogs, I'm going to have to keep my mouth under control because I'm liable to, to screw up a freaking primetime shot. And, you know, I, I had a thought the other day that Dave's going to pull back on some 300-pound freaking monster uh, boar with, like, six-inch tusks, and, and the arrow's going to hit him, and I'm going to be like, oh, you fucking got him, man. You 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 fucking smoked him. And I'm going to be like, oh, shit, there goes that whole audio clip, you know, like <laughs> – just let it ride. Just just beep it out like Jerry Springer. Just beep every other word. Just beep beep beep. <laughs> oh man, yeah, maybe probably so. I, I I might just let it ride, or I'll just bite my tongue really really daggum hard so I, I keep it kind of kind of PG. That way y'all can y'all can save the footage. There's a uh, I meant to tell you a guy up the up the way uh, had a big old red faced sow that he shot just a couple days ago in the area that we're uh, kind of looking at going and uh 
It was beautiful, dude. The whole damn thing was red with this like blonde snout. She was gorgeous, dude. Nice. Yeah, hopefully we can get all some hogs down there. Yeah, and, and uh, if the hog hunting is poor, or if the weather isn't uh, obedient, or maybe let's just say the ladies don't want us going out one more time, maybe we could coerce Leighton into, into going out on the boat. We'll see. <laughs> hey, that sounds good to me. Hey, uh, me and Andy, uh, we're we're big we're big catfish guys up here in, in Ohio. Big flathead chasers. Do y'all noodle? No, I'd love to. <laughs> sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, I've personally never done it, but I got some a few people I know that have done it. I'm not sticking my hand in a hole with alligator snapping turtle. It's not, it's not going to happen. I like my hands. That's how I make my living. I got to have them. Yeah, I'm not too sure about noodling. Well, hold on, <laughs> let, let me let me interrupt there. It's not technically noodling, but I've witnessed Andy go in after a fish before. So <laughs> let me explain this story. This is a good one here. <laughs> yeah, please. So, uh, a buddy we was fishing with uh, hooked into who what he said was a giant catfish, and then it got hung up on you know it got hung up on a snag on a log, you know uh, you know in the middle of the river. And but he could still feel it on there, so the fish was definitely on. So Andy and uh, my other buddy uh, Ben, they, they they jump in the river and go after this. They're they're gonna swim down and untangle this uh, fish. So they go down there and they swim in there. And our buddy Ben, he's he's a smoker like crazy, you know. So so of course they're swimming in the river and he's got a cigarette in his mouth. But and Andy Andy's a big non-smoker, so. <laughs> They go down. <laughs> they go down. They swim out in the middle of the river, and then and Andy dives down and untangles this this catfish from this log and comes up. And as soon as he comes up after and he wants to get that very first breath of air after going down swimming for twenty seconds underwater, our buddy Ben exhales right in his face, and Andy takes a big breath. He's out in the middle of the river in the middle of the night half puking, half coughing, can't breathe, and all this, and it was like a four-pound catfish. <laughs> all this for nothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it was awful. It's not just any river. You know, it's a river where all the sewer drains lead to and, you know, all the spillways, and it's definitely not the cleanest river, and I was pretty much in my boxers and socks in the middle of the river at nighttime. It was pretty scary. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'd be worried about some. At least y'all don't have gators to worry about. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'd be worried yeah, about yeah, some three-headed gators, no gators if that was down here. I wouldn't have jumped in for him, I can assure you, if it would have been down here. Yeah, I'm going to stay away from gators and big snakes. <laughs> that's half my concern about that Florida trip. I'm worried about the damn snakes. Well, you need. Shit. You ought to be, you ought to I was going to say, you snakes, ought to be worried. Yeah. <laughs> I told I told Dave Leighton I said, "Man, you just walk behind me like Leighton does when he paddles behind me in the in the in the lakes around here in the dark, and you'd be all right." Yeah, just walk behind him, and if he says snake, go the jump over, just get just leave him, leave his ass, leave walk. Just, <laughs> that's all I can say. Go the other direction of which way he's facing. Yeah, yeah. No, man, I I I've yet to be struck by a snake. Knock on wood. But I have had many an encounter. The only snake you got to be worried about around here are these big, fat-ass moccasins that we've got. A cotton mouse, that's a nasty... Listen, I am. I consider myself the biggest environmentalist. I, I, I try and leave the woods the way I, I found them. But if I cross paths with a water moccasin, that joker's catching two to the head. I do not... I just... I have no talent for it, man. I was bow hunting one time in a swamp bottom, and I had one of those jokers that I damn, damn near stepped on. He got ticked off with me. He chased me all the way to my tree stand and coiled up at the bottom of the he, tree. You found him when he was breeding, so he chased you. <laughs> yeah, I don't give a damn when I found him. Well, that's what they do whenever they're breeding. They chase your ass. Well, there you go. He ain't breeding how, how no big, more. How big do they get, like about six foot? or? Five? That's, the, that's probably the biggest I'd say they get. It's five, six at the most, but they're big around as your calf. Um, yeah, they're huge snakes. Yeah, that's too big, and they're fast too, man. They are super fast. So, yeah, so pretty, David faster than you. He should be all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, faster than me. Just don't that's let it. Walt don't it. don't let Walt take you on a pond in a John boat and then have them when they're mating and let them chase you on water. That's a scary. Ass, that's that's scary because you can't oh, yeah, outrun see. them on water. 
Especially if you got a John nope. boat with a trolling motor. And <laughs> that thing no. has a paddle in it. I treat it like a baseball bat. Well, that's what that's what you have to do. That's what you end up having to do is literally beat yeah. them off the boat. Yep. I take a nine. I take a nine millimeter with a snake shot in it. That's what. I, that's my solution. There'll be a hole. Every, in the, every time there'll I be a hole in, in the boat. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna have to reconsider this Florida trip, Walt. <laughs> You can just You'll come. Fish, right, man. You can just come fishing to me. Worst thing that happens with me is you just have to go. You know, you get pulled in by something, or you fall off great and you're standing on the back of the boat. boat. Or yeah, great, great whites or something like that. You know, <laughs> Sharknado. Or 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 we sink eighty miles <laughs> offshore. That's the other thing. The U.S. Coast Guard has to come get us. That's the other thing. This all sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is, but. We make the best of it. Yeah, um, we do. You know, <laughs> no, it's, it's it's really not that bad. It, the, the the honest to God, the two most dangerous things around here are the mosquitoes and the state and the snakes, uh, ticks. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, I, I've heard that. Yeah, the mosquitoes around here damn near carry you off, and the ticks, uh, the ticks that we have around here, uh, I think about half of them are the tick that if they get into you too long, that you develop a, a an allergy to venison. <laughs> No, I'm seriously, and you laughing. It's that it's that white starred back tick. It's that I can't cod nose. It's escaping me right now. But there, well, there's gonna, a tick that be, if it bites you, you, you better you, you develop an allergy to venison. You better Google this while we're uh, while we're listening to somebody's story that we're fixing to hear. But uh, I don't know if I believe you. Better come you back with some facts. No, hell no. All right, then. Well, I tell you what. I tell you what, Andy. You you're the star of this podcast, man, and. Uh, you you shot the world's biggest spike on public land. I'm told. Um, <laughs> no, the world's biggest uni- kidding, world's man. biggest unicorn. Sam, what's that old myth you hear people say? Once a spike, always a spike. <laughs> heard that one? No, I've not heard that one before. Oh, just about anybody anybody that's ever shot a spike. That's what they'll tell you. Once a spike, always a spike. So I got, I got a, I got to call the deer. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, That's yeah, this. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you what, Andy. Listen, you you shot a stud of a deer. Um, you, it, it comes with a a story that I think uh, anybody can can at least relate to to some degree. To, whereas to how it started and. Uh, maybe not how it ended because I don't think many people shoot as big a buck as you shot. But uh, why don't you, you and Dave? Because I think y'all were hunting together th- that day or or semi together uh, at that point in time. Why don't y'all kind of take it away and and tell the story of your 2017 uh, stud Mac Daddy buck? Yep. Yeah. Um, going into the season, my wife had our, our first child um, September 1st. So going into the season, uh. I knew I needed to pick and choose my hunts because I wasn't going going to be able to hunt as much as I would like. So, um, you know, I scouted a lot during the offseason and found as many areas as I could. Um, you know, it was, was going to be tough, so I needed to pick and choose and find good weather and good days off of work when, I, when I'm sick, call off. But um, Yeah, and then so, uh, you, know, you know, so me and Andy kind of linked up. We kind of scheduled out some days that we could go, uh, you know, hunt together. You know, me and Andy have always been a pretty good uh, team. We've always, we've hunted together for years now, the two of us, uh, you know, before the whitetail experience was ever a thing and whatnot. So we, we scheduled, you know, a handful of days that, you know, he, he got he got the clearance, I guess you could say, uh, from the wife and, and whatnot. And, and we, now, we went on and hit it hard, and uh, Andy was hunting, and I was filming because I knew he didn't have that many days to hunt. And uh, we, we dove right into some of our best spots, you know, uh, not the best conditions, you know, we, we dealt with rain. Uh, I mean, you know, you're talking early November, we were dealing with, with rain and we're going in for an all day sit and it's raining at 6, 7 a.m. So we're soaking wet for the whole day. I mean, there was a day where I didn't even have a seat on my stand. I had to, I had to stand the whole day. Andy was layering up with uh, the cheapest raincoats we could find and then throwing like some camo stuff over top of it it was it was all bad news but uh you know but and then that's when so we dove down into the spot um we, we got a nickname for it it's called the way back and it's called that for a reason because it's way back and uh we dove down in there you know a few times and we just kept seeing deer kept seeing deer 
And, uh, you know, we actually had a really good encounter with a really big buck and, uh, Andy was filming. And, uh, the reason why that, uh, encounter wasn't on the, the videos we have is because I think I dropped about 16 F-bombs in about 30 seconds. So <laughs> that's why, that's why that encounter is not on there. Uh, it actually is actually a different buck than what he shot. So, um, so that's, I guess that's good news, but, uh, you know, I'll let uh, I'll let Andy take it away with uh, the day of his actual kill. But he actually dove down into that same spot that we've been having good luck in. You know, we're big advocates of not hunting the same spot uh, multiple times in the year. Um, you know, like I go in there and I hang a set and we hunt that day and I don't ever plan on coming back. But if it's hot, it's hot. You know, you just have to keep going back. And if you go back again and you see a bunch of deer again, you see some good bucks again, you know, guess what? I'm going to sneak out of there as quiet as I can, and I'll probably be back again. But, you know, if, you know, like I said, like I told Andy earlier, if he hadn't seen very many deer that day, we probably would have wrote that spot off for the rest of the season because we had already hit it three times, which is a lot for one spot for us at least. But here, I'll let Andy take the, the day of his kill. Yep, so I, uh, I woke up about 40 minutes late. <laughs> To, to this day, th Dave uh, thinks he called me and woke me up, so he's the reason I shot my buck. That's a fact. I was walking out the door. I was going, I was heading down, and he's got like a, he's got an extra 20-minute drive on me. So I was leaving my house, and I called him, and I woke him up. He was half asleep answering the phone. If it wasn't for me, you wouldn't ever even woke up to shoot that deer that day. But, um, yeah, I left a little bit behind, but made up some ground with a lead foot. And um, Hold on, hold on, hold on. Lead, Andy says lead foot. This is Andy on a regular basis. He has got about five speeding tickets. He's got, he, this guy has a, the most awkward tickets you've ever heard of. He has a tailgating a, tailgating a cop ticket. <laughs> wait, yeah. wait. How, what? Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. He, you ask him to explain uh, that. Yeah, I wasn't tailgating. Uh, I was I was changing lanes. I was changing lanes, and he happened to notice me right on his bumper, right when I got behind him as I was changing lanes. And um, you know, he just he just you know turned his blinker on and got over. Everything was fine, so I just drove on around him like it was cool, and he got right behind me and pulled me over. Walt, that sounds like something you would damn do. sure does, doesn't it? <laughs> So he's got he's got tailgating a cop. He's got running a pink light. Never heard of it. He got what? It. a pink light. What the <laughs> what what the what the hell? Where what the hell is a pink light? Never heard of one in my life till I got the ticket. I was in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. You know, I went to college there for a little bit, and I was out late one night and driving through downtown and. You know, I was too close to the line to slow down, and the light turned red, and I was already too close, so I just went on through, and then, like, an undercover cop pulled me over, and, you know, I asked him, why did I get pulled over, and he said, you ran a pink light, and, you know, I didn't even know what to say. I was speechless. <laughs> I, I would have I probably had to take that one to court and been like, your honor, a pink light? I didn't know that existed, <laughs> just for the hell of it. <laughs> hey, I got the ticket for proof. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> He, Andy also, I was with him when he got pulled over by an airplane. Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> no. Y'all, we're going on a scouting trip, you know, it was like June or July, and I'm driving down the road. It's a 50, well, I thought it was 60, but it was a 55 mile an hour speed limit. And, you know, I, we're, I'm cruising along with traffic. Next thing I know, come up over a hill, and there's four cops out in the middle of the road. Like, this is a highway, major highway. And they're, they're flagging everyone to the right. So I'm like, you know, cool, we got to stop. You know, there's a, a wreck or something's going on. So I, I pull over, and then the, the cop comes over, and he says, do you know what? Uh, why we pulled you over? And I said, I have no idea, sir. And he said, yeah, we have an airplane up there clocking you, and you're going, you know, 70 mile an hour in a 55. And I said, there's, there's no way. But I guess there's a uh, – if you're ever driving down the road, Oh, it's ridiculous. If you're driving down the road and you, you see two white, you'll see one white line, and then like another mile up, you'll see another white line just off the side of the road. The uh, There's an airplane. It could be an airplane <laughs> up there that clocks you from one point to another. 
And they do the math and, you know, see how fast she was going, calculate your speed. And that's what they got me for. <laughs> 71 and a 55. Okay. I might have told that cop where he could shove it on some shit like, oh, my, oh, yeah. Okay. It'd have been good. So let me get this. That'd have been let, great. Let me just recap here. You have a running a pink light, tailgating a cop, and you were you were pulled over and by a And you got pulled plane. over by an airplane. <laughs> yep, that's correct. Sir, that hey, you are the most unlucky driver I think I have ever met. Oh yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> no stuff should have never happened. So when he said I was running, I was running late and I was speeding down there, that's not that's not a true statement. He was driving normal. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you're making up time as you uh, normally would have, and yeah, made up the time. I was actually uh, meeting David and his fiance down there to exchange some bibs with them. So I got to the uh, spot and we're you know we're getting dressed, getting ready to hit the woods, and uh, my headlight da- battery dies. You know, so there's a town about five miles away. So I figured I'd run to town real quick and get a get a light. It's no big deal. So I'm already running late. So we uh, split up and I get up to my hunting spot where I normally park and there's actually three trucks and four guys getting, getting dressed. Well, one good thing about meeting David was I was already dressed, ready to walk into the woods. So I got out, grabbed my bow and put my stand on the back and, you know, I walked right past them and they said, uh, looks like everyone, you know, is going to have the same plan today, get here at the same time. I said, you know, good luck, fellas, because I was already ready to go while they're dicking around getting dressed. So I walk past them, and, uh, you know, I'm on the way back to my stand, and uh, I hear something rattling. You know, I'm stopping. I look around and notice my stabilizer's loose. And I have a, uh, well, I had a stokerized stasis, and it's just one bolt that screws into the stabilizer hole with a bracket that offsets the, the entire stabilizer. Well, it's, it's a hole. Yeah, you, I don't know if you're familiar. Yeah, it's got the back bar and stuff on it. So it isn't just like a front stabilizer that screws on. It's a whole system. So if it comes loose, you're yeah, you're kind of screwed because the the back bar falls down into your cables. Yeah, I didn't have no Allen keys. It's that stabilizer that slides back and forth, basically, right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. It slides back and forth, and it has a a, a joint that you can pivot the back bar any way you want it. Um. Yeah, it came loose, and I didn't have any Allen keys on me as I'm walking in the woods, you know, so I ended up uh, deciding to take it off once I got to the tree stand and got my setup hung. So I eventually uh, make my way back there, and, you know, I get all my stand unpacked and everything ready to go, and my first thing I, first thing I wanted to do was hang the setup. So I hang my sticks and stand, and I'm just wearing, uh, at this point, just a pair of Walmart cargo real tree pants, you know, real loose fit. So I get my uh, stand and sticks hung and I climb back down. You know, I'm planning for an all-day sit, so I got a, a backpack. I'm self-filming. I have camera gear, camera arm, all that jazz. So I end up putting a, uh, it's freezing cold, coldest morning of the year so far. End up putting a um, pair of Carhartt bibs underneath my Vertigo pants. And uh, they're they're not very stretchy, so once I tried to climb my sticks, I couldn't, my legs wouldn't reach the next stick. So I was pretty much doing pull-ups, <laughs> climbing my uh, sticks. You know, I couldn't reach, and it was awful. <laughs> yeah. And then, actually, and then so we went back down in there probably you know, three weeks later after after he killed his buck, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, here's the tree I hunted right here." And I, I look over at that tree, and there's like a bunch of briars right at the base of it. There's like a vine that's right in the way. I'm like, dude, this tree looks terrible. Like, I would have never picked this. I'm sure you played hell trying to climb this thing. Yeah, I sure <laughs> did. I played hell trying to get in it. Um, about two two days before that, we was hunting above a thicket, and we seen a lot of activity right below. It was a real small thicket, maybe 30 yards wide. And uh, we knew I needed to be just on the other side of that. So in the morning, you know, I'm already running at this time a good hour late it's starting to crack daylight before i even get my setup hung you know so i'm just rushed and trying to hang my setup fast as possible i uh end up getting in the tree you know getting camera arm hung camera on the arm and i'm um, ready to go and i need to unscrew my stabilizer you know at this point it's pretty pretty well daylight you know well within shooting shooting a uh, legal shooting light 
So I'm trying to unscrew the bolt, and the bolt is actually sticking to the stabilizer bracket, and it's just turning my whole stabilizer and not coming loose. And the stabilizer is actually in the way of my string. You know, it just pivots down, and it's in my way of string, so I'm not going to be able to shoot my bow if I don't get this off. So I ended up fiddling with it for a little bit, and uh, as I'm fiddling with it, a, a nice two-and-a-half-year-old deer comes cruising by at like 23 yards. You know, as soon as I seen him, I knew he wasn't a shooter. So my main concern was to get the stabilizer off my bow. I was going to just completely take it off and hunt without it. Um, you know, once he gets by, you know, I feel, I feel me for a little while. I get the stabilizer off and get it in my pack. Now I'm standing there for about 20 minutes. And at this point, it's, I think, about 8.17 or 18 in the morning. You know, sun's barely coming up. It's cold. I hear some crunching up ahead of me. And I looked up, and I just seen literally just a rack coming. So I um, get ready to go, and he kind of, you know, I see him back there sniffing and smelling all around. Um, he's not really, you know, chasing any does or anything yet. There's no, no scent or anything on the ground. He just started walking towards me real slow, and he stopped about, he was about 46 yards out, and I, he was heading to my right. So I ranged a spot. You know, and it was uh, 45 yards, right, where I had a clear shot. So as soon as he was going to come in that opening, I was going to let him have it. But um, he actually turned right back to me and just kept coming in. You know, couldn't couldn't picture it any more perfect. Came in on a string. And uh, he's about 25 yards away, and I'm, it's all clear to my left. And I knew I was going to get a good shot, so I got the camera ready to my left. And as he's coming in... You know, like 15 yards, I, you know, he puts his head down, he's smelling around, and I try to draw my bow back, and for the first time I've ever had a compound that I wasn't able to draw my bow back. I don't know what it was, if it was the nerves or the cold. Um, over the summer, I took my stabilizer off and let David use it, and I shot a couple times without it, and it was super awkward to draw, so, you know, that could have played a part in it. But um, so I end up, you know, just taking a breath, you know, thinking this is the biggest deer I've ever had this close to me. There's no way I'm going to blow this opportunity. So I end up taking a deep breath, relaxing, and I drew the bow back, and he just walked right in, uh, you know, right to me. And I thought he was in frame. I didn't really look at the camera, but um, I stopped him and shot, and uh, I knew I hit him pretty good. He ran about 70 yards and actually, uh, like stopped and then bedded down in a little thicket and um you know i'm watching him and he ends up uh standing up and, and taking about four steps and then he crashes and that's when uh you know all the emotions came out right there it's you know everything i've hunted my whole life to kill a deer like this and it, it finally happened um I think that's when that's probably shortly after that he's when he called me and uh, I think you see the you can see the phone conversation uh, on our video and yeah you can see I'm I'm shaking probably just as much as Wayne was shaking partly because I was cold partly because <laughs> so pumped we were hunting a little bit separate that day like you mentioned in the beginning um, I took my fiance out that day to hunt um, probably wasn't the best time to take her out because I think she's scarred for life because of how cold it was that day. <laughs> But <laughs> hey, that's the best way to never make somebody want to go again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So exactly. yeah, it could be good or a bad thing, I guess, whichever way you look at it. <laughs> yeah, and that's when Andy called me, and uh, you know, and uh, you know, that, he, he said the buck. He, he kept trying to get up and get back down, and and he's he's he kept telling me he's like, yeah, you know, I, I smoked him. I don't, I don't know why, you know, he's not he's not down yet, and it just shows you how. Uh, how tough those deer are. And, you know, he, you know, he's, he's, I mean, he roasted that deer. You can see it. I mean, you can't see it on the video, but you can see the wound that, that he hit on him and, and the vitals he hit. And it just, it shows you how tough those deer are. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, he ran about 70 yards and then stopped and crashed. And, you know, I thought he was done. And uh, that's when I called Dave and I happened to look over and he, you know, last time I seen him, he's dead on the ground. Well, I happened to look over and he gets right back up and, and starts walking slowly. I can tell he's injured. He's not going to make it far, but I wasn't, you know, I've never seen a buck this big, you know, that close to me. Uh, so I wasn't for sure if I should try to get down and, and sneak over there and, 
and shoot him again. He was probably 80 yards. Um, but he ended up walking, you know, 30 more yards and, and then just fell over and he, he was done at that point. And that's when I knew, uh, I knew I had him. They, uh, we were talking about how tough and in, in a previous podcast, we had one of the guys on our lease shoot one with a seven mag, seven ultra mag or something, seven mag, something massive. Hand at, cannon. You know, 120, 130 yards, not far. And, um, he ran three and a half miles before they found him. So yeah, that just shows how tough. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're, uh, you know, they're in survival mode once they get shot and they're, they'll do what they can to survive. Yeah, definitely. So I, I have to, I have to ask you this. At what point did you sigh a breath of, of like relief? Cause I'm sure as you were watching all this unfold and he wouldn't go down and he wouldn't go down like that had to be, th- I mean, think about it. You've had all this emotion. You got pulled over on the, on the way going to, to, to the WMA for going too slow. You, you <laughs> your headlight dies. Um, you know, all this happens and then the deer just won't fall over. Like, I'm sure at that point you're just like mentally exhausted, right? Like just desperate for something to go right. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, you know, coming off a high that I thought I had him, he's over there dead, you know, talking to David and I called my dad and, you know, said I shot one to five minutes later looking over and, you know, he gets up and starts walking away. You know, I kind of went in the panic mode. Like, what should I, should I get down? You know, he's at 70 yards uh, not, it's not real clear, you know, on a clear flat, you know, out in the yard at 70, I can hit, you know, pop can pretty simple, but you know, in the woods, it's a totally different story. But, um, on oh, Andy says hitting a pop can at 70, he, he's not, that's not exaggerating. <laughs> he's, Andy's a, he's, he's a dead nuts shot. There's, you know, we'll all give him that. Anybody who's seen him shoot, we'll give Andy that. Yeah. I mean, I shoot real well, but you know, 20 degrees, a couple layers of clothes on it in the woods, you know, that's just, I'm not going to take that shot. So, you know, yeah, I went from a, you know, complete high to a complete low. And then um, once he fell over, you know, it was a complete high again. You know, something I've waited, Dave knows I've hunted hard for, you know, six, seven years. You know, every year you progress, but this year is uh, the one I finally got one. Well, that's, that's awesome, buddy. That, uh, I know, I know that struggle all too well. I, I haven't shot a deer near the caliber that you have, but for my area, I think I've, I've killed something uh, kind of close proportionately, and that was a 10-year adventure for me. And I know when it happened, uh, fortunately for me, I got to watch my deer fall, and he was dead in 40 yards. But, man, I can tell you that, that feeling of it all coming together. I mean, my wife, so I shot that deer the fall after we got married. And she asked me what my favorite thing was about that year. And I grinned and I said, oh, of course, getting married. And she goes, you liar. You're thinking about your deer right now, aren't you? I was like, yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. (laughs) Um, I'm thinking about that eight point buck that's sitting on the wall right now. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's been a great, great year for me. I've um, shot my biggest buck. I've caught my biggest fish. And, you know, I've had a a son being born. So it's, it's been a hell of a year for me. You know, every year it gets better and better. It's been great. Absolutely, man. And and, and now you, if I'm not mistaken, you were the fellow that uh, you were the fellow that postponed an engagement. Is that true? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure was. Um, I, I, I think I think that story has to be shared. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I had to work that day. It was uh, oh Lord, caught me off guard. <laughs> yeah, it was November fifth. <laughs> It was November 5th. Um, I had to work that day, and I knew Dave went hunting. You know, I'd message him in the morning, and the only thing he seen was a four-point. You know, so at, at, I get off work at 2 o'clock. I'm planning on, you know, going home and maybe going out to dinner or something and doing, you know, get engaged in front of a bunch of people, try to embarrass her a little bit. But um, on my way home, I was driving, you know, it was like 2.30 or 3. I get a phone call from Dave. Later, yeah. Yeah, it might have been later, maybe like four, you know, I'm on my way home. I get a phone call from Dave saying I just shot a buck, you know, so I'm like, well, I want to go down and help him, but I also want to get engaged. <laughs> she doesn't know I'm going to ask her yet, so, you know, no no harm, no foul. She don't know. Exactly. <laughs> so I, uh, I, you know, we called a couple buddies, and, and we headed down there, and, and, you know, Dave's buck was a – catastrophe dragging out it was <laughs> way longer than it ever should have been we, we parked at one spot 
and we drug it to it, it ran so far we drug it to another area and uh had to drive the i had to walk back in the dark with no headlight to get the truck to drive all the way around to the whole other parking access to get his deer you know i ended up getting home at oh man it was 11 11 30 at night time you know so i wanted to do it on the fifth um technically we we and we made it official on december 5th and I proposed on that night on uh, November 5th and we got married on September 5th the following year. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, you know, she didn't know at the time, but she, she's not too mad about it now. <laughs> it worked out. So, yep. so Leighton, I got a question for you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> do you think I would have done, do you think I would have done the same thing? Hell no, you wouldn't have, but I would. <laughs> I damn sure would have. I'd have been like, oh, she doesn't know. She doesn't, uh, she'll she never have it. She would never know. No harm, no foul. Exactly. Like, what? No, she didn't know she was going to get engaged to tonight. I mean, get engaged tonight. I mean, come on. No big deal. Walt, you need me to come get a deer? Oh, no big deal. All right, everybody. We'll do it tomorrow night or something, whenever. <laughs> it's not going to change anything. <laughs> Walt knows. Man, that's, uh, that, that, that's, some, that's some brotherhood right there now. That sounds like something I would do. Walt, hell no. But me, I, I, I could see myself doing that. I really could. Yeah, yeah, I I could. It's something you'll never uh, you'll never forget. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, be a be a funny story to look back on about forty years, twenty years, thirty years. You know, be funny. Shoot, yeah. November sixth, when me and Dave was in a stand, um, we had a buddy hunting also, and he's about five hundred yards away. Is this year? Yeah, this year. Um, he sent us some trail cam pics of what well, we say, Dave, like four good shooters. You know, we're talking 135 plus inch deer. You know, he's only 500 yards away, so we know they're in the area. Here's another little story. Uh, on November 10th, no, November 9th. You know, it's a nice day out. I'm gonna try to cut my grass for the last time. Uh, my buddy's hunting that day. Our buddy Ben. So I'm out on the lawnmower, just fired it up, make one pass right through the yard. And I get a phone call. So I stopped the mower right before I turn around and make the next pass. And he uh, says he shot shot a big buck. So, <laughs> you know, knowing me immediately, I just pulled my mower into the shed and, and parked it for the night with a one big strip of grass cut right in the front yard. <laughs> but I had to help him drag a deer out, so it was priorities. That that grass will no. be there one that grass will be there the next day. Oh, you're damn right. Now that that I'm all on, man. All, all day and twice on Sundays, I'd stop and do that, man. Leighton, when, when I I shot and wounded a deer that back in 2016, that joker stopped working and uh, drove an hour <clears throat> to come help me track that deer. So I know he'd he'd be there come hell or high water. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. The morning I shot my deer, um, I passed on a nice two and a half year old. You know, maybe yeah. one twenty five. You know, close to that. Um. You know, Dave wonders um, how I did it because I'm known to be a, a trigger happy guy. It's because his stabilizer was loose. That's the only reason he didn't shoot it. <laughs> exactly. Otherwise, it'd have been dead, right? <laughs> yeah, there was a just two years ago. I had a mishap where a bow rope was tied to my bow, and I was trying to get it undone. And probably a 130 inch eight point come running by at 20 yards, and I couldn't get it undone. So I missed him. And then last year, I ended up shooting a. I don't know, 115 inch deer uh, by accident. You know, I'm in the Some ground shrinkage. It yeah, it had ground shrinkage. I thought it was. <laughs> I thought it was the real nice one. You know, I was in the stand and first cold morning again, cold and crisp. And I heard heard crunching coming and looked down and he's right underneath me in some like some underbrush. And uh, as soon as he clears, you know, I see I see antlers, you know, plain as day. So as soon as he clears that stuff, I let it fly. And nailed him, and yeah, he had a little bit of ground shrinking. <laughs> this year, I was, I was going for a wall hanger. It was a wall hanger or a bust, and it uh, it happened. So, so Dave, if I come up there and hunt with y'all, uh, what what kind of uh, limits are going? Are what are the expectations of the whitetail experience for me to have shot to uh, to be pulling the trigger on? Because I'm <clears throat> a little trigger Walter shoot, shoot a six point that's 90 inches or 20 inches if it walks out believe me just, <laughs> just to let you know 115 inch eight point walks up for a walk he's gonna fall out of the damn tree stand 
I'm just telling y'all. He's going to fall slam out of it. Well, I'll, I'll probably end up gar holding him, and then he'll end up shooting a giant. Yeah, he'll end up shooting 180-inch deer. He'll send me a picture. Now, what were you saying? Damn, why'd y'all put him in the best spot you got? Come on, now. <laughs> oh, man. I, I'm telling you, dude, that's... We got a buddy on a... We got a buddy with us, uh, our buddy Zoe. You know, he's never killed a deer with a compound. And, uh, you know, yeah, when we... we, we 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 he he's he's new you know he's a rookie um but he you know he tries hard and and we'll we'll send him spots and he'll go hike his way there up and over the mountain you know and he'll, he'll do all he can and we tell him man let him fly you see you see a, you see a decent deer you know let him have it and that's the same thing I you know I'd tell anybody you know shoot whatever makes you happy yeah exactly well, especially on public because I will. <laughs> I, I, if i come all the way to ohio i'm obviously going to raise the bar and my standards up but that being said leighton is dead dead to rights that uh, 115 inch buck comes cruising by i'm probably you're going to see that that arrow just bouncing like like i'm having a freaking stroke dude i'm gonna be tweaking <laughs> out dude i just i i'm like this i'm like stan potts dude i just i freak the hell out i just get to going so bad and I, I can normally, uh, if if one of two things happen, I'm good. If I don't have any time to think about it and I just draw and pull the trigger, I'm good. If I see it and I can talk myself off the ledge and then pull the trigger, I'm good. But there's that gray line between those two, like where I don't have enough time to calm myself down, dude. I tell you, after I pull that trigger, I'm going to sit down so fast in that tree stand, I, I'm going to... I'm gonna fear falling out the damn thing. My my knees get to knocking so damn hard, dude. I just I'm ate up with it. Well, hopefully we can get on some uh, some hogs and stuff down there here in uh, here in June, and and we can we can get some of that adrenaline flowing. Dude, I'm telling you, and and that, that's gonna be fun, man. The place we're going, it's a little swamp bottom, a little creek running through it. It's kind of like a little mini delta. The creek splits up in all different little places, and. Basically, those jokers are just scooting right through, man. They're moving pretty quick, and it's going to be one of those things. You're going to hear the footsteps, and you're going to draw back and hold for an opening, and and uh, de- and hope we can stop them, and then you know hammer them. But it's fun, man. Hog hunting, hog hunting is a, a highly underrated uh, thing to do. It's just so damn hot down here when you do it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm a big guy, you know. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan, but <laughs> it's what it is. I'll do what I got to do to. Uh, you know, kill a hog. Well, just just bring yourself a pair of uh, swim trunks and uh, the thinnest <laughs> the thinnest t-shirt. The, I'm not even kidding. Bring yourself a pair of swim trunks and the thinnest t-shirt you can find, and uh, a pair of rubber boots, and, and that'll be and your buy, camo of the day. We're then just, buy a bug tamer. What about them snakes? Well, you could do. Well, you no, could. I, I will. <laughs> clothes ahead, clothes ain't gonna help you from snakes now. Snake boots will help you. Like Walt, Walt laughs at me, but well, I, he doesn't anymore because I gave him a pair of snake chaps. Good buddy that I am, because I didn't want yes, him dying on me or nothing. But I mean, everywhere I go, turkey hunting or any BS like that. Oh hell no, I got snake boots on. I won't go anywhere without oh, snake damn right. boots on. Me too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, we're uh, Andy and I are uh, Andy and I are actually going out to South Dakota this year, and we're going to try to kill a whitetail or muley out there, and. uh so we're, so we're making some phone calls to the DNR and a couple of these DNR offices and whatnot, and just kind of trying to feel it out and whatnot, and, and trying to find out all the exact rules and regulations. And uh, and I start talking to them. I'm like, you know, what's what's the rules on you know uh, carrying a concealed weapon? Um, you know, because South Dakota's you know kind of known for mountain lions. And uh, so I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to carry a firearm. You know, how how does that work? And he's like. He's like, oh, yeah, as long as you have your carry concealed, you can carry while you archery hunt. Um, you know, yeah, if you're worried about snakes or something. And I'm like, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I was like, I'm worried about mountain lions. I was like, are the snakes that bad that I need a firearm? <laughs> I was like, let me, let me, let me, yeah, let's backtrack there. Like, snakes, do I need a, a pistol? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I'm, now I'm. Re- You're gonna be flipping out whenever you come down here. If y'all, if y'all come down here to see Walter, quit or scaring him. You're gonna scare. You're gonna freak. Quit scaring the man. Come on, it's not that bad. <laughs> it's just different. You know, we don't have the snake problems like that up here in Ohio. I mean, at all, really. Hell no. You got cold weather. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. We we have nine months of spring. Well, I'm sorry. We have six months of spring. Five months of summer and, and one cold snap. 
No, we actually had a winner. We had actually had a winner this year. Walt, shut up. Yeah, no, you're right. And now it's 85. And degrees I'm in loving it. Every second of yeah. it. I broke a sweat four days in a row. I'm so happy. <laughs> and I'm sunburned. My face is sunburned. I love it. I'll say it was in the 70s today, and just three days ago, you know, it was 25, 30 oh, no. degrees. It's snowing. Oh, no. It's snowing. You know, snow on the ground. Oh, no. Uh-uh. See that? That guy. That I don't do. I don't do snow and cold. Nah. Well, I'm going to have to pick y'all's brains because South Dakota is uh, pretty high on, on my list for the upcoming years. My wife has been telling me for ever since we got married that I need to start making some trips. And every year I come up with an excuse. And Yeah, he uh, does. Last year she looked at me, and last year she looked at me and said, look, seriously, you need to start making some trips as soon, you know, as, soon as we're done with the CPA. And uh, so basically I'm going to start, once I'm done with my CPA or getting close to that, I'm going to start planning out my – Planning out my my fall trips and early season South Dakota and Montana, kind of have my eyeball right now. Yeah, it's definitely you know South Dakota it's it's different country you know it's it's something different than just the normal hills and woods that we're used to here in Ohio. And yeah, we could travel to Indiana pretty close and okay. Kentucky and whatnot, but we, you know we're going out there because we want something different, something new. You now we're going to be up on a you know a glass and. You know, for hours, you know, we're definitely going out there doing all public, you know, DIY. We're going to sleep in the back of my blazer the most we can and all that good stuff. But, you know, it's 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 definitely going to be different, different country. It's going to be uh, that's the reason why we chose South Dakota for our first big out of state trip. What are you all going after? Whitetails. But it's a uh, it's actually a either deer tag, you know, whitetail or muleys. But uh, we're going to stay more in whitetail country. Um, but you know, we might see a mule. If I see a good mule duck, I'm just shooting it too. <laughs> Shit, yeah, dude. I, if I travel out of state, as long as it's not something I'd be embarrassed to shoot, it's gonna get an error. I'm not. Oh, yeah, exactly. I, I'm an equal opportunity impaler. I don't travel all the way across the freaking United States of America to go. Hmm, that's only an 80 inch mule deer. Screw that, man. He's getting a meat missile. Yep, exactly. Our stand, like you see, you were asking about well, what would your be your uh, what would be your standards if you came up here and hunted with us in Ohio? That's how I'm in South Dakota, man. If I see a good eight point or something come by, he's he's going to get a shot. <laughs> you know, if I kill 110 inch deer out there, you know, awesome. You know, I'm going to travel thousand miles, you know, and just hopped in some place blind, and if I can get a decent buck, then I'll be I'll be stoked, you know. Hell, if a, if if it's getting close to the end of the hunt, and I got a doe within range. She's probably going to get it. Yeah, maybe we we talked about that because we we are going out there like first week of season, um, but uh, we we might potentially go back out there during the rut and you know give it a, give it a good long weekend or something. Yeah, yeah, no, that's awesome, dude. I I didn't know uh, South Dakota did either or tags. I thought it, I thought all their mule deer were uh, draw only. No, it's just deer. I know they do have some different stipulations if you get to like the Black Hills or some of their different state parks. I mean, it is a draw system, but it's like a high odds draw. Okay. Um, so, you know, like a really high draw, like almost 100%. So, you know, we, we haven't we haven't filed for those yet, but we'll see what happens. Cool deal, man. That's awesome. Well, maybe that's another podcast that we could discuss. Maybe, uh, you know, with Chase Prince, we did one uh, with him. I don't, I don't know if you remember that one, but he went out to Kansas and uh, chased Whitetail on some land that he got access to and, we did a, a before, and we're going to be recording the after, so we kind of set it up as to what uh, what methodology he was using, the gear he was taking, why he picked the spot he was going to. We didn't name drop or anything, but, you know, just kind of the why before it. And then, uh, you know, next couple of weeks we're going to record uh, his success or failure and, and, and kind of show that two-part and then kind of what did he learn from that experience. And maybe we could do the same thing because I think there's a lot of people who would love to do that. Yeah, I'll tell you what, our our, uh, our gear list is going to be some pretty crappy stuff. <laughs> we're not prepared for a Northwestern trip at all, but we're just going to make it work with what we, what we can. Absolutely. I mean, are you going? You said you're going early season, right? Yeah. So hopefully the weather isn't too bad. Um, yeah. But you know, but I mean, you never know. You know, we're going to we'll we'll try to prepare the best we can, but we really don't know what we're doing. That's awesome, man. I'm jealous, dude. That's that y'all going this year? Yep, this September. That's awesome, dude. That's awesome. That's killer. So, uh, Leighton, 
you kind you you kind of uh, called me out on something earlier. Thought I was exaggerating. <laughs> that that is the Lone Star Tick. That is the Lone Star Tick that has been linked. Any mammalian meat uh, will cause a allergic reaction due to the sugar called alpha gal, which is present in sounds, the Sounds like it's located in Texas. And Nothing to do with Georgia, judging by the name. One would think, however, a study by the University of Florida shows that its effective range is basically Ohio north all the way up to New York, all the way down into the Lone Star State and the densest population, Georgia and Florida. <laughs> so, but here's the good news. Those, those ugly-ass... Uh, animals that run around uh causing all kinds of trouble called possums they kill four thousand ticks a week so say thank you to a possum because that's probably a good good reason why you don't have a a a meat allergy well thank you walt for proving me wrong ah damn it anytime i get the opportunity i'm which ain't very which ain't which ain't very often daggum right it ain't well fellas listen i want to be i want I want to be respectful of y'all's time, and we've been on the phone for at least an hour now, maybe a, closer to about an hour and 20 minutes. So um, do y'all have any closing thoughts or anything you that we we did we started to touch on but didn't uh, quite wrap up? No, just uh, thanks for having us on. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm looking forward to our uh, my trip down there, um, minus the snakes. <laughs> and uh, it's, it definitely should be a good time. Absolutely, man. And, Dude, we're we're glad to have you on here. You you and your whole crew at uh, Andy yourself, y'all are welcome back on here anytime. Anytime you want to chat, y'all just send me a message. And we'll we'll set up the next uh, recording. Andy, uh, do me a favor and and tell the listeners where they can go to 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 view that once in a lifetime experience that you had. Um, you can check out our YouTube page. Um, it's the Whitetail Experience. It, it, you'll find it on there. Okay. You can find us uh, on social on our Instagram at Whitetail underscore Experience. We are also on Facebook at Whitetail at the Whitetail Experience. Cool, man. Well, guys, yep. if y'all just hang on for one second, don't go anywhere. Leighton and I are gonna wrap this up, and then we want to chat with you afterwards. Y'all, this has been an awesome experience. I feel rejuvenated and alive because I'm able to podcast with somebody other than Leighton sitting across the table from me. I'm sure he gets tired of looking at my ugly mug, so. No, I don't um, ever get tired of looking at the red-bearded woodpecker. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> the the what? The red-bearded woodpecker. You know, instead, instead, instead of the red-headed woodpecker, you're the red-bearded woodpecker. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go, guys. I, I've I've called Leighton. Hey, Andy's right there with you. Yeah. Andy's right there with you, Ginger Beard. Yeah, he's got that Amish, though, dog. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, guys. Well, listen, leave us a rating or review. Go, fo- go follow the Whitetail Experience if you haven't already. If you haven't, I'm already ashamed of you, so so make amends and go follow them on, on uh, Instagram. Go subscribe to their channel on YouTube. They're putting out some, some awesome content. Um, great, guys. And until next time, I'm Walt. I'm Leighton. Y'all be good. Mm-hmm.